Okay, someone hit it. Uh, no, no. Bada beam, uh, bada beam, bada bam. <laughs> bada beam, bada bam. Bada beam, bada bam. Welcome to this week's Bacon a Mystery, Bacon a Murder episode in the future. I'm just getting right into it. Listen, I'm just got a question. Mm. In the future, if you have a terminal illness before you die, you can clone yourself. This clone will look identical to you. Not like a twin does, but genuinely identical. But they're not really you. I mean, they have your exact genetics, they have your exact look, your exact hair, and your exact posture, and everything. But they take a while to learn your mannerisms. They take a while to learn your likes, your dislikes. They're literally training to be you. Why? Because when you die, everybody around you feels pain. Unless... There's someone there to replace you. Mm. So it's really like you never really left. Mm. Well, what happens when you get a clone because you're dying and before you're even gone, everyone in your life falls in love with your clone. They realize Damn. that your clone is so much better than you. You could never compete. Mm. How would you feel? What would you do? But the first thing yeah. is like, do you think you will want that? No. You wouldn't want that? I don't want a clone. Why? I'm a jealous, jealous person. <laughs> I'd be like, wait a minute, you're gonna sleep with my clone? <laughs> but I will want it though. Why? Why? Because let's say I'm gonna die, I will. I can have another me, like that can he can provide for you, like he can protect you or take care of you. Does it age? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Can I just find a new boyfriend? You could, but mm -hmm. chances are. He's gonna be an asshole. Well, he's gonna cheat on you. And they come run, run He's back gonna, here. yeah, he's gonna break your heart. You know? He's gonna be a douchebag. He's gonna be a liar. I don't know, you're kind of sounding like a pick me or something. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe a serial killer, who knows? He's like, pick me. Choose me and my clone right now. I mean, how would you feel? It's a really interesting concept from the movie called Duel. Listen, I'm sure the movie was meant to be interesting and quirky. But the dialogues in this movie were a bit hard to get into. Instead of being the edgy vibe that they were going for, I felt like it was a bit more pushy. I didn't really feel that. I didn't really feel that attached to any of the characters. But I did feel attached to the underlying plot. I wished that it was explored way more heavily in the movie. That I could follow multiple different clones through their lives and figure out what's going on. See the success stories. See the worst of the worst cases. But with that being said, it was pretty fascinating, so let's jump into it. Also, we're making taro donuts. I don't even know. Listen, I really should look at how many of you guys just listened to the audio and then how many of you guys watched the visuals on YouTube at Miss Minglebutt or on Spotify, but uh, we're making taro donuts. <laughs> it's gonna be delicious. I love taro. Right? And then donuts. I freaking love donuts, so this is perfect. My fiance is the recipe man. He has my recipe. <laughs> Recipe man. Recipe man recipe hit man. us. It says add sugar into egg and mix well. Are you sure? Is that sugar? No, that's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's for sure that good shit. That is. That's, that's cocaine. <laughs> that's definitely cocaine. So I'm just going to get into it. So the movie starts off with an eerie scene. It's really just setting the vibes for the whole experience. Have you ever been to like one of those high school football games, right? I mean, you can kind of already imagine if you haven't been. You've seen it in the movies. The screaming, the chanting, the cheering, the sounds of whistles blowing, the marching bands and their little trumpets. Maybe you're walking through the stands and you see the seniors under the bleachers trying to prank the freshmen. Maybe near them, you see a bunch of kids making out. They're just groping each other because that's what high schoolers do, at least in my high school. The concessions, the hot dogs, they're never really sanitary. You know that, but you gotta eat one. You gotta try it. That's what a normal high school football game is like, right? Well, not this one. This one was in complete silence. The game was not in session. Instead, you had a lone football player in plain clothes standing in one side of the field, the grassy football field. All the students in the bleachers were staring silently at him. Not a single word was spoken, no cheering, no booing, no whispers, nothing at all, just eerie silence. Robert is standing on one side of the football field next to a table. Now this table is covered with almost like a bed sheet, like a white cloth hanging over it. It was to hide whatever was sitting on the table because you could kind of see like some lumps and bumps. So you know the table's not empty. He looks in front of him. There was a long white banner, 
like it blocked his view for the other half of the football field. So while you do that, I'm gonna actually oil this pan. So there was this like white banner that's blocking his view of the other half of the football field. It looked like one of those banners that the football team would actually run through. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like those paper banners and yeah. they're yeah, screaming and running through it. But where is the rest of the team? I mean, they're not there. It's just him alone. So to break the silence, someone blows this very loud whistle. The banner comes down, and these guys are now staring at each other at the end of the football field. So on the opposite end, there's another dude standing there across from Robert. Just staring? Just staring at them. Now, we can't see who the other guy is. We just know that they're staring at each other. Now, Robert, I don't know if you can see this guy's face because the bright football lights are pointed straight at each other and it's blinding. At the same time, a teacher or somebody stands on either side and pulls the white cloth from that table, revealing heavy duty bows and arrows and weapons. Like this is not an archery class. This is not normal high school festivities. This is weird. Before Robert can even do anything, he sees an arrow land straight at his feet. The other guy just tried to shoot him. So he backs up, knocks over the table, jumps on the other side, and effectively he's using the table as like a makeshift shield and he's just panicked. An arrow comes through the table alarmingly close to his head and even then, there's no screams from the crowd. Just mumbled, mumbled gasps, okay? Right? He's got to do something, but what would Robert do? He tries to look over the table to see the other student and to see the other person. He's just, I'm sure he was wondering what I'm wondering is like, why is nobody stopping this? Like, why is nobody helping him? Why is nobody freaking out? There's news crews with these big cameras pointed at the two. Like, there was no way out of this. No adult was going to put an end to it. But as the guy Robert, aka Theo James if you're interested, is leaned over the side of the table trying to see what he should do next, he gets shot with an arrow on the shoulder. So he's shot what? and his breathing turns erratic and he's screaming in pain, but what can he do? He's freaking shot. Nobody is coming to get him any med help. What? Like this is straight up Hunger Games. Mm. He weighs out his options. He can either sit there and try to use the bow and arrow to shoot the other guy back, but his aim's probably not that good. He's in pain, he's going to take forever, no one will die, and even if they do, it's gonna be long and torturous and painful. Imagine being shot by an arrow and bleeding out that way. Dan Dan, what would you do if you were in if his- If I got shot by an arrow? And, and now no one's, helping? no one's helping, and this guy's gonna keep shooting arrows at you. I will grab an arrow. Well, well first, you got yeah. shot, so it's probably yeah. in your body, right? Yeah. First thing is like, I'm trying to dodge. Just take the pain and just try to like find mm -hmm. shelter. Mm. Is that how you do in your um, Valorant or whatever? Valorant. <laughs> oh my god. I will I'm grab so the arrow and shoot at the audience. Oh my god, you crazy. This guy's trying to make a political statement, you know what I mean? <laughs> how are you? How are you? I would cry. So this guy decides he's gonna grab the knife and Robert breathes in and breathes out and he's a like, knife? ready, set. Go! He jumps up from behind the table and starts running across the football field. The other guy is so stunned, he's not even registering like what the hell is going on. This is so ballsy. Mm -hmm. So he starts fumbling to load another arrow and he misses. Then he's trying to fumble and load another arrow, but before he can even load and shoot his third arrow, I guess, Robert tackles him to the ground and starts stabbing him in the chest. And when he's done, he stands up sees the crowd, and they're all softly applauding. What? That's so creepy. And security guards come to drag the dead student off the field. And this is the first time that we get a glimpse of the other student, and he looks exactly like Robert. Not like a twin, but a clone. A woman with a mic walks up. Well done. You're the winner. Remind me again, are you the original or the double? Uh, the double. Of course. I always get mixed up. Sorry about that. Obviously, it's a little confusing when you guys look identical. Excellent work closing the distance and engaging in your attack. And Robert is looking around, confused and stunned. I mean, he's got blood on his chest. The blood of a person, the blood of his original, the person that he was literally created after. There's still an arrow sticking out of his chest. Nobody is rushing to get this guy medical help still. He's just being casually aired on TV right now. And the announcer continues. The duel has finished. The double has won, and he is now officially Robert Michaels. 
and the stands start roaring finally. The noise is deafening. The trumpets start playing and the cameras zoom in on Robert's somber face. And then you see Sarah go through the drive-thru at Taco Bell. <laughs> it's a Taco Bell ad. No, I'm just kidding. So Sarah is not a part of this. Like, she's not really watching the duels. She's not there at the duels. She's not one of those weirdos, okay? She's going through the taco drive-thru. What's the duels? The duels is when you have to fight your clone. Oh, we'll get into it. Uh. Yeah, so let's say you have a clone, but like one of you doesn't die. One of you's gotta die. There can't be two dandans walking around. And if but you only make a clone when you think you're gonna die. Let's say you survive that terminal illness. The government is like, well, one of you guys has to die. Well, that's awkward. Then don't make a cologne until you're completely dead. See, the problem is you just solved the movie then. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I gotta keep it moving. So Sarah's going through the Taco Bell drive-thru and she's getting some soft tacos, some hard shell tacos, a burrito, some nachos mm. with some extra cheese dip. I mean, my kind of girl. We are the same people because the employees are like, how many drinks with this order? Just one. So we see her go home with the tacos and finish it all and starts playing a video on her laptop in the middle of this dark living room. So she just like killed her dinner, right? And at first I was like certain it was gonna be a YouTube video because the voice starts off by saying, this place is totally haunted, but look, at least it has a pool. I'm like, okay, YouTuber exploring abandoned haunted places. Love those videos, it's gonna be one of those. But then you just hear this orchestra of moaning. This girl just finished her tacos and she's watching corn, which, no, no, my, okay. like, no judgment, but no, because my indigestion could never, like, I need to digest a little bit. I feel so bloated. Do I really want to watch corn right now? So she pops down on the couch trying to get some alone time, but her freaking laptop starts ringing just when the pool plot was getting good. It's her boyfriend, Peter. Now, he's like, hey, babe, what you up to? Um, watching TV. Yeah, what are you watching? She looks over at her TV that is completely black with nothing playing. <clears throat> Just a reality show about dating? Oh, that sounds boring. Yeah, well, it's it's like a guilty pleasure. Anyway, what are you doing, Peter? Oh, nothing. I just got back from taking my team out of, you know, because of work. Honestly, I'm surprised they've been killing it on this project. Oh, uh, really? I thought I thought that you had um there was that one person that was struggling a lot and complained, you were complaining about one of the team members. I, I forgot what they were, what was their name? Oh, Sam, no, Sam's doing tremendous now. Okay, well, that's good, I guess. In fact, I'm thinking about giving him the most improved award. I read that giving awards, it, and they hang up. Okay, it was bad signal, brother, these Zoom <laughs> dates. The Zoom dates were not going well. And Sarah goes to watching her aggressively loud pool party orgy and it just seems like, I'm just gonna be honest with you, it seems like something is wrong with Sarah. Not because she's watching corn, but she just is giving that really super depressed vibes. She's not into life. She's not into a relationship. She doesn't really emote in a normal way that we can imagine, right? She has this really alarming dream that night. The dream is, Sarah is in a restaurant with her mom and everyone else in the restaurant, they're not moving. They're sitting, they're not talking, no noise. Nobody else is eating. They're just sitting like this, staring at each other. And Sarah can't stop eating her food. Her mom is sitting there silently watching her. And then she asks, Sarah, are you eating so you don't have to talk to me? You can talk to me. You don't even have work today. I don't? What day is it? Here, I brought you your penny collection. Will you stop collecting pennies? What? Why did you bring this? Where did you even find this, mom? Sarah, why don't you love me anymore? Sarah, why don't you come to see me? Sarah, how come we never talk anymore? Sarah, are you there? And it's like something in Sarah was compelled. She was so stressed out from her mom's rapid fire questions. She felt compelled in her dream to eat penny after penny after penny after penny, one by one. She's just eating these pennies and her mom is grilling her on these questions. How come you never call? Another penny. How come you never see me anymore? Another penny. How come you don't love me anymore? Another penny. The questions come faster and faster and Sarah's trying to eat more and more pennies, but it's too much, so she throws them up onto the table and wakes up gasping for air. And her bed looks like a crime scene. She has thrown up blood everywhere. Which when you think about it, honestly, that whole movie part was a genius. The fact that she's eating pennies mm -hmm. because blood tastes like a uh, metal. Metal. Oh, that's very yeah. smart. Because sometimes in your brain, when you have dreams, you know in your dream, yeah. I have to pee, I have to pee, I have to pee. Yeah. And you 
actually wake up yeah. to go to pee. Yes. Yeah, because your brain just kind of makes these That's so great. scenarios. Yeah. So she was eating pennies. It was the taste of blood. She threw out blood in her sleep. And what's crazy is that Sarah's not even alarmed. She just showers, throws her sheets in the wash, heads over to the hospital, that casually. She's at the receptionist desk filling out paperwork and she's looking around. There's someone that's missing a freaking finger. And there's just blood dripping onto the floor and they're like holding the other finger <laughs> in their other hand. Okay, there's another one with a baby that won't stop crying. Like everyone seems really sick at this hospital. And the receptionist. Ma'am, is this an emergency or can you wait? Sarah looks around. Missing finger, dude. You know, I mean, if he can wait, it's not an emergency. I don't mind waiting. Okay, well, if you don't mind sitting down and filling this out first. And she hands Sarah the forms. And right at that moment, Sarah grabs it and retches up blood everywhere. And the whole waiting room goes silent. Even the baby stops crying. Even the baby is like, you go ahead first. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. I can wait. I'm fine. And the receptionist is like, wait, I thought you said that this wasn't an emergency. Oh, it's not? So the doctors come out. They rush Sarah to the rooms. And they start running some tests. Now, we don't know what she has. And I don't think she knows either. Listen, the girl is too calm. It's freaking me out. But while they're running the tests, Sarah has to stay in the emergency room. She calls Peter to ask if he can come home early. Step away from his work project. Because whatever she has, it seems serious. The doctors are shocked. They're taking it very seriously. And Peter over FaceTime says, Babe, you know I can't do that. I wish that I could, but things are really gearing up over here. And, you know, you know, okay, this is the part that drove me crazy. You know when you can see someone gets a text message on FaceTime because they're in the middle of talking and then their eyes ping up to the top of their screen and then they have a moment where they're registering that text and they stop talking and you know that they got a text. Yeah. Like their eyes go up to the notification section and they react. Mm -hmm. Well, Peter is like, smiling over a text message. He just stops talking in the middle of his conversation and is smiling. What? So Sarah, being my type of girl, is like, who just texted you? Oh, it's just Sam. We went out to dinner and he got super drunk, so I sent him home in a taxi. Oh, okay. Listen. You know, and Sarah knows that this is smelling fishy. Peter is freaking giggling over this text. Like, what are you giggling about? Your girlfriend is in the hospital, dying, and you're giggling because your coworker, Sam, who happens to be a guy, I don't believe you, he is drunk? So Peter tries to change the subject, and it's clear he's not even thinking straight. He just changes the subject to, so, um, right, what do you have planned for tonight? I'm in the hospital, Peter. Right, right. I meant like, uh, do you think you're going to be sleeping soon? Yeah, I probably should. I have more tests that I have to run tomorrow. Apparently, I can't eat for those. I'm so hungry. You could probably hear my stomach louder than my voice right now. And another text comes in. And Peter's all freaking giggly. And just ignoring Sarah and going, mm, mm-hmm. Well, you should probably get some sleep. Good night. Love you. Wow. And hangs up. And Sarah is completely alone. I mean, she knows what's going on. She hangs up looking distressed. And the next day, the hospital wants to send her home. She's confused. She's like, okay, like I said, it was nothing, right? It's not an emergency. Oh, no, no, Sarah. <laughs> We're not sending you home because there's nothing wrong with you. There's most definitely something wrong with you. We just need, you know, to wait for your test results to come back. And it's hard for us to treat you because... We're not sure what's going on inside of you. So for now, I think it would be better for your health if you stay with some friends, some family, have a support group. I didn't tell my mom what happened. I don't know if I should. Listen, I feel a lot better from yesterday. I think it was just a weird feeling, and I feel better now. The doctor interrupts her. Sarah, listen very carefully. We don't know what's going on inside of you, but whatever it is, it's very serious. When you go home, you need to rest. You need to take care of yourself. You can't drink. It's serious. You have to treat it seriously. Do you understand? So what does Sarah do? Goes home and drinks a bottle of wine straight from the bottle watching some porn. <laughs> I was rooting for you, okay? And she's trying to call Peter, her boyfriend, who isn't even checking in on her. He's not picking up his phone. So she sends him a text message. Hope you're having fun. And he responds with, I'm in the elevator right now. No signal. It's super late over here. I'm going to go straight to bed. Okay, got it. Love you. 
and no response. I mean, it's freaking clear what Peter is doing. All right. So fill it in 70% full each donut because it's going to puff up. All right. And the next day, what does Sarah do? Like any person going through heartbreak and feeling like her boyfriend is losing interest in her, what does she do? Can you guys take a guess? She goes to where he is. No, this is what every girl does. Shopping. No. She hits the motherfucking gym. Listen, I have never worked out as hard in my life when A, going through heartbreak, B, I'm mad at you. Because I'm like, I'm going to work out, I'm going to have a banging body. And then we're we'll like, nope, you can't touch this because you're annoying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's like a thing. Like when you have a heart, mm -hmm. like when you're going through heartbreak, you go to the gym. And when she gets back, she strips down to her undies and she calls Peter and she's like, hey, babe, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Guess what? I know the hospital said I should rest, but I woke up feeling more energized than ever. And I went to the freaking gym. Like, can you believe it? I haven't gone in so long. I feel so much better now. I just walked in the door and I was all hot and sweaty. So I thought that I could, um, I already took off all my clothes and I called you. <laughs> Look, and she points her camera down. And I think it was probably just a cold. I don't know what it was, Peter, but I Googled it and people said it was normal. Normal what? Throwing up blood. What? And then there's silence. And finally, Peter sighs and says, honey, you have a terminal illness and it's only getting worse. What? what? You're just being pessimistic and you're imagining the worst. More silence. Um, you accidentally put my number as the primary contact instead of emergency contact. The hospital called me and I thought it was a telemarketer, so I didn't pick up. But then I guess it was urgent and maybe the doctor thought that you weren't picking up or you were screening your calls, so she left a very detailed voicemail in my inbox. You have a terminal illness. You're telling me this on video chat? I, I know, I know, I'm sorry. I, I should have done better. I'm sorry, I just don't know what to say. How long have you known? Uh, two days? I'm sorry, I, I know I should have told you, and I know this is very serious, Sarah, but you're gonna die. Wow. And Sarah stares at the computer and she screams, why aren't I crying? Sarah rushes to the hospital and meets with the same doctor who apologized profusely for the voicemail mix-up. And she begs Sarah not to tell the board of directors. And Sarah's like, sure, that's fine. And the doctor sits down and says, so yes, um, you do have an incredibly rare incurable disease. It is inside of your stomach and it will likely spread to the rest of your body. Thankfully, it is painless. However, it is killing you. We don't know how, we don't know how long you have, we don't know anything, but it's only a matter of time. Uh, wh what are my chances? Zero. There is a 98% chance that you will succumb to your illness. Wait, I just, uh, I, I just thought that you said that I have a 0% chance. So what about that 2%? Oh yeah, that's a margin of error. There's a 2% margin of error, but nothing is ever absolutely certain, but this is most definitely certain. So you're telling me that there's a margin of error and you're not absolutely certain I'm going to die, but you're certain that I'm going to die. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. You're taking this quite well. Are you feeling okay? Most people cry or they react a bit extreme. Are you in shock? I mean, I don't want to die, but it doesn't seem like it's up to me. To use the baseball analogy, life has thrown you a curveball, Sarah. Curveballs are tricky because the batter can't hit back. Now in this case, you are the batter, but only you're not even holding a bat. So you're most definitely going to miss the ball. Am I just making things worse? I don't want to make things worse. Your facial expression, not very good right now. What kind of doctor? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, well, what's next, doctor? Uh, what are my options? Well, we advise that patients start making arrangements, deciding what type of service that they want. Funeral service, you know? I know it typically is a representation of one's religious views, but it can be about your personality as well. For example, I want to be buried, not because I'm religious, but because I'm terrified of being forgotten. So I want my friends and family to feel obligated to come visit my grave. 
Of course, there are remains from a cremation that can be buried, but interestingly, people are less likely to visit a pile of ashes than a body in a grave. It's more obligation, if you will. You could be buried at sea. There are many great possibilities and things to think about and to consider. Truly, it can be a reflection of your personality and your life. There are many options to choose from. Um, I will probably choose to be cremated. Great. Well, then you have the choice of replacement. I'm sure you've heard of it or given it some thought. When you die, you have the option to clone yourself so that your loved ones don't have to go without you. Anyway, lots to think about, isn't it? So uh, here's a pamphlet, just in case. Remember, discuss it with your loved ones first. It's not for everyone. Some families even report having negative experiences, so keep that in mind. So that night, Sarah goes to watch a replacement ad, and it just looks so friendly, so welcoming, but like absurd, creepy science fiction. The replacement is made before you die so that they can learn from you and learn as much about you. They learn your mannerisms, your movements, down to all the little details. They learn all of that before you die. That's why it's better to get a replacement months in advance. The longer that you have with your replacement, the better it will be for your loved ones. The more of an investment it really will be. I mean, so that they can truly replace you when you're gone. They're like a learning sponge when you're alive. The more time they spend learning, the more you become. They even learn your sexual preferences. Oh yeah. And to be fully transparent, the double will look identical to you. Not like a twin, but identical. However, they can have their own personalities too, which most families seem to be comfortable with. It's just enough to comfort families. And the ad ends with, you may be dying, but don't let it affect your loved ones. <laughs> Replacement is a gift to those loved ones. Replacement works. And the ad itself is so freaking creepy. I don't even know what to say. The person in the ad, like the guy that's like going through all of this, yeah. he says, um, I'm a former double myself. Isn't that right, my darling? And his family comes into the frame and he puts his arm around his wife and his kids and they honestly look creeped out and fucking terrified of this guy. <laughs> but regardless, Sarah is dying, so she picks up her phone. Hi, I'm dying. Can I schedule an appointment? And with that, you see her in the car listening to the happiest of pop songs while trying to suppress her sobs, but it's one of those cries where your whole body starts shaking a bit. And when she gets to the replacement place, the place is overly sterile. It's like a dentist's office from the future. Kind of creepy, no offense dentist, we love you, we need you, but I'm not trying to hang out there. It feels like sci-fi vibes, but not overly sci-fi where you feel like this will never happen anytime soon. It feels almost too close. It's like a high-end medical spa. And the first word Sarah blurts out during the consultation is, uh, there's no way I can afford this. And the doctor says, ah, yes. <laughs> this is a gift for your loved ones. Obviously, it won't be cheap, but we have payment plans. The way that this works is when you die, your double resumes your roles in life. <laughs> they take over your identity, your bills, your responsibilities, and in most cases, your job. And one of those responsibilities that they take over is paying off the procedure. This so is insane. You don't have to worry about anything other than dying with dignity. Wow, imagine that. Imagine if I'm getting a double, right? I would just go to the bank and take out like fucking $10 million loan. My double will pay it back, okay? So the doctor asked Sarah, uh, anything else of your concerns? I'm afraid of needles and sometimes I have nightmares of being put under anesthesia and waking up during surgery and feeling everything. Well, good. Our procedure doesn't require any of that. You just spit into this tube and the procedure takes about an hour. <laughs> okay. If you were in this situation, what would you do? Let's say your family is going to be heartbroken. Would you get a replacement? No. I feel like I would not. I can't trust. I, I would do it for the sake of taking care of family. But what if this is Imagine you have kids. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You know, like you have a kids. Like you don't want your kids struggling. Yeah. No father figure and no financial support. I don't know, man. I just can't trust that stuff. I don't know. Like, I feel if like I it's die, better. Then I die. It's a better cologne me than some other cheating ass. <laughs> okay, big B. <laughs> my thing is, like, I would have a hard time seeing my replacement. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, like, that would be too trippy and teaching them about me. But you're also dying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
It's weird. I feel like it would just feel weird. Maybe I just want to be a memory. I don't know if yeah, I would want to. Yeah. 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 I think, like, ideally, yes. But if I'm thinking about people, yeah. like thinking about you want When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to take care of someone yeah. then you're like Shit. Like, at true. least i can do this and maybe it's become so normalized it's like you don't even bat an eye so if everybody else is doing it you know mm. it seems so like yeah. standard right yeah. now sarah she just pulls the trigger it's not like she has time to think about it she's actively dying every second that passes and maybe more time with her clone will be better I'm not going to lie, a part of me feels like Sarah cloned herself so that in her last days she wouldn't be alone. Not because she cared that much about her family. We haven't even seen any of them in person. We haven't seen her talking to any of them. We've really only seen her boyfriend, who really couldn't care less that she's dying. So I felt like it was for her loneliness over everything. An hour later, Sarah's double enters the freaking room. Just like that. I'm going to tell what? you something. Okay. It was like 30 minutes into the movie and it was like the most anticlimactic shit that I've ever seen. She just like walked into the room. There was no build up. It's like she's been pulled out of a Humans R Us vending machine. She's dressed in clothes that the hospital has given her and she kind of has the awkward vibe that Sarah has throughout the whole movie. The doctor apologizes and says, the software got a little bit lagged. Um, so instead of her eyes being brown like yours, they're blue. If you want, we can disengage her and make you another one. Disengage her. Sarah's double is literally standing there listening to this whole conversation. Like, girl, they're trying to shut you the fuck down. Like, you're not gonna run. And Sarah's looking at her and looking at the doctor, and I'm sure it's awkward. And, um, no, it's fine. Blue eyes are more rare anyway, right? It's fine. Okay, well, for the time being, Sarah Double will be with you, and you will be referred to as Sarah Original. And for the time being that she's with you, she's going to be learning as much as she can. And once you pass, she will resume your life as Sarah the Original. Perfect. <laughs> Let's go. And the two of them get into Sarah's car. And her double is in the passenger seat. So, what kind of food do you like? Um, Mexican, Indian, Chinese? What food do you not like? Maybe French food? I find it to be quite heavy, I guess. It doesn't mesh well with my stomach. What about music? What kind of, what's your favorite style of music? I like all kinds. I like music, pop, rock, classical. Do you want to try and listen to some with me? And she tries to raise the music because this is awkward. But the double stops her. Oh no, maybe later. I'm enjoying this and music might make it hard to hear each other. God. Any music you don't like? Uh, country music and metal music, I guess. So with that, Sarah and her double go home. The double gets to Sarah's house and she's like, Oh, it's uh, nice. Do you live here alone? No, I live with my boyfriend Peter, but he's away on business and he won't be back for, I guess, several more weeks at least. I hope I get to see him again before I die. He's very handsome and hardworking. Sarah 2.0 walks over to a picture frame of the couple and stares at them. She says, he sounds like it. I'm excited to meet him. Yeah, I'll introduce you to him and to my mom too. What about your dad? He passed away a few years ago. I know they say, well, I don't know if you know this, but they say that 50% of marriages end in divorce, but not theirs. They were married when they passed and uh, I never once saw him fight with her or anything. Oh, well, I'm excited to meet your mom. It's just, I haven't exactly told her about you yet, or Peter. Actually, I'm not even sure I want my mom to know that I'm sick. I'm her only child, and I'm worried that she's going to be sad. Oh. When you're gone, I promise to love her as much as you do. Maybe more. Same for Peter. I will love him so very much. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get you some clothes, yeah? <laughs> and just like that, Sarah Double starts changing in front of Sarah the Original. And Sarah the Original, she starts feeling a bit sad. They're not entirely identical, they find out. Sarah Double has no cellulite or love handles and is much more petite than Sarah the Original. Mm -hmm. And she turns around and says, 
I might be a couple sizes smaller than you. You should probably take me shopping. Anyway, what's your favorite sexual position? What? Um, oh, that's a lot. Uh, it's boring, but I like missionary. <laughs> I guess I like to be choked, sometimes lightly. Oh, well, what's Peter's favorite position? He likes standing, I guess, and he likes to blindfold me, but I like to be able to see. Sure, but I imagine not being able to see heightens other senses, you know? I don't like this top you gave me. Maybe you need to take me shopping to look for a different style. God. <laughs> and in that moment, Sarah knew she done goofed up, okay? She done forked up. There's no return policy. I know. There's no cancellation. You within, gotta pay like, for it, bro. Huh? Pay what? You gotta pay for the double. Yeah. And the double's gotta work to pay off the price of making a double. Oh my god. Or it's death, right? That's horrible. Yeah. If I make that service, I'm gonna provide like a good three days return policy. Yeah, I'm gonna make mm -hmm. a red button that you press. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fair. Like at any moment, you're just fighting with her and she just disengages. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what I want. And we see Sarah standing there staring off into the abyss while people are moving around her. And this is like one of those movie fast forward scenes. And you see that Peter has come back from work and um, he's essentially dating the double. Like, yeah, they're like full on dating. Sarah 2.0 and Peter are full on dating, making out, going on dates, having sex right in front of Sarah. It's like Sarah isn't even part of the equation anymore. Sarah's double isn't even trying to be like Sarah. She wears a completely different style. She acts different. She likes different things. She's not even trying to be like Sarah in any sense or way. That's not a clone. Like, yeah. you're just building a new, brand new person that looks like you. Yes. So that's the issue then. And you don't get the same memories or whatever. Yeah, mm. then I don't want that. Like, yeah. There's no point. Yeah, that, that sucks. Yeah. Then that it's almost feels like someone just using your mm -hmm. look for something yes, else. like your identity. Yeah. So Peter knows? It's a double. Wow. Yeah. And P he's into it. Yeah, wow. he's like really into it. He has no shame. No. Like that night, Sarah 2.0 and Peter are going on a little date to a nice French place. And she says in front of Sarah the original, Oh my god, French food, my favorite. Wow. Yeah. Bro, Sarah 2.0 also dresses more put together. She's got a completely different style from Sarah. Like, this whole thing feels like Sarah double is just another woman. And when they're about to leave, Peter and Sarah 2.0 look at the original Sarah and say, Any updates on, you know, dying? No. So, uh, I, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Okay, well... When we get back from the date, we'll try not to be loud, if you know what I mean. See you later. Wow. And we just see Sarah go to the doctor, and she said she feels fine. I mean, she knew it was going to be a painless disease, so that's great. But also, it's hard just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's, it's a weird feeling. You know, I, I wake up, I go to sleep every night thinking, maybe tomorrow will be the day that I don't wake up. Um, Sarah, I called to tell you. And I, I'm not really sure what to say considering our little, well, I wouldn't call it an argument, well, argument about the 2% margin of error. So I'm just gonna be as direct as possible, Sarah. You are the 2%. You have gone into complete remission. Bruh. You're not dying anymore. Bruh. Oh my god, it's a setup. Bruh. So she can make the clone. He, they yeah. can make the clone. Wait, you told me it was certain. Are you sure? My stomach hurts a little bit right now. Did you have breakfast? No. You're most likely just hungry. We honestly don't understand, if I'm being honest with you. It's a bit of a medical mystery, but you're gonna make a complete recovery. What in the world? You will go on, not just to recover, but to live a long, fulfilling life. So, your family must be thrilled. <laughs> Bruh. I never even told my mom. Well, why not? I didn't want her to worry. My double was going to take over like nothing ever happened. She was going to wear contacts, of course, but my mom wouldn't. She wouldn't have to miss me like she missed her husband, like she misses dad. Oh, well, speaking of, you should probably talk to the facility about your double. They'll probably have to decommission her. By law, only those who are dying are allowed to have doubles. And you, Sarah, 
are no longer one of those people. I would be really pissed. Me? Okay, like obviously the 2% margin of error. Yes, you're so excited to live, but we already know where this movie is going. That's why we're saying such harsh things. Like it's gonna go bad. And Sarah starts freaking out. On her very quiet drive out of the hospital, she starts screaming. But it's not like a normal scream. It's almost like Sarah has definitely suppressed all of her emotions. Because it's one of those, ah! and then she tries to hold it in and then tries to do it again. Like she's trying to repress it. So she drives to her mom's house and when she gets there, Sarah 2.0 and Peter are there just no. having fucking tea with her mom. What the fuck is going on? Peter, you promised that you wouldn't introduce her until I died. And her mom looks up shocked. She's like, Sarah, Sarah, died? Wait, what are you saying? What is going on? Why are there two of you? <laughs> That's the reaction. <laughs> Sarah double sits there with her tea and she says, I've been in contact with her for months now. Talking about Sarah Double has been talking to the mom for months now. Wow. And you've been pretending to be me? Well, someone had to, Sarah. All your mother wanted was a call back to talk to her only daughter, her only child that she loves. Sarah, the original, is looking at them three like she's, they're crazy. Mom, I was dying. I got a replacement because I didn't want you to be sad. I didn't want you to miss me. Well, Sarah, why didn't you just tell me? It was supposed to be a nice gift. I didn't want you to be sad. Well, how, how much longer do you have, Sarah? Well, that's the thing. I did this all for nothing. Sarah 2.0 is quaking in her boots at this point. What do you mean? I'm not dying after all. I just talked to the doctor. I'm in remission. And you are going to be decommissioned. And we can go back to being together, Peter. And everything will go back to being normal. And the mom is like, what, what do you mean she's being decommissioned? What does that mean? And Sarah's double turns to her mom and says, Oh, mother, nothing. Don't worry. Mother? mother. Don't call her that. Do you hear me? I'm Sarah. You're fucking nothing. And I'm going to abort you. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. <laughs> Sarah starts screaming so much that Peter pulls her outside to cool down. And when they get out, Sarah tries to make out with Peter. And he's like, stop, stop, Sarah. What are you, what are you doing? I'm with her now. Wow. Didn't you hear me? She's going to be decommissioned so we can go back to being you and me. What even is it about her? And Peter says, it's not that simple, you know? It's the little things. I can't explain it. You know, when you say my name, it's Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and when she says my name, it's Peter. Peter. <laughs> I, I can say Peter if that's what you want. Peter. Peter, I, just tell me what you want and I can do it. I'll be it for you. Peter. And Peter is quiet for a while before saying, it's not just that. You always try too hard to impress new people. You speak over me or for me. You have to control social situations. I'm embarrassed to go out with you. Every time you come out with me, my coworkers, they make fun of you behind your back. And that is if I can even get you to leave the house. I just can't do it anymore. Even if I can't be with her, I don't want to be with you. But I love you, Peter, and no one will love you as much as I do. Yeah, but I don't love you anymore. Well, what was it like, huh? Fucking me looking into someone else's eyes. Sarah, you need therapy. And with that, he walks inside and slams the door shut and locks it. And Sarah's standing there in shock until she realizes, wait, this is my mom's house. What the fuck? So she starts knocking on the door, trying to get in, but her mom is locking every door, closing all the windows. Even her mom chose Sarah 2.0 over her. What? I'll be so devastated. <sighs> so later that day, Sarah gets home completely alone and she gets a call. It's a woman. Is this Sarah? I represent your double. This call is to notify you that she will be exercising her rights in accordance with the 28th Amendment of the Constitution. Your double has filed a motion to stay. I suggest you find some legal counsel. Have a nice day. And she hangs up. So Sarah's going around looking for an attorney. She finds a new attorney and he tells her, you have to stay away from your double, no contact. And since the, the apartment lease is in Peter's name, they are giving you two days to move out. And the duel to the death will be in approximately in one year. Until then, you will be financially responsible for your double until then. What? A, a duel to the death? Like those duels on TV? The, I have to do that? 
I thought those were like for prisoners who commit murder, they get a clone and then if they can kill their clone, they're free. If not, the clone takes over their lives and they're probably not a killer, at least. Why can't she just be decommissioned? Sarah, in most cases, if the original can still live, the double will be decommissioned. But in cases like yours where the double has been around long enough, you know, longer, closer to a year, they've been around long enough to form memories and to become their own person. They would sometimes prefer to live. But we can't have two Sarahs walking around now, can we? <laughs> so hence the duel. I do suggest taking some combat lessons from a personal trainer for the next year or so. And just like that, Sarah moves out, and Peter is straight up treating her like so coldly, like she's a complete stranger. And we see Sarah go through the motions of life, and she does hire a personal combat trainer named Kent, Aaron Paul, the guy from Breaking Bad. The guy just trains people for duels. And at first the training is simple. It's learning to do push-ups, backflips, and Sarah is me. She is uncoordinated, not athletic, and sounds a bit like she has asthma. But of course, <laughs> okay. the timeline goes on. And you know those montages where she's working out more, and she starts getting more and more ripped, and she tells Trent that she's ready to kill. She's prepared to kill. The guy even makes her do homework, which is just honestly watching the goriest, bloodiest movies and snuff films in existence to desensitize her to the violence. And from there, her training only gets weirder. He has her looking into a dummy that has a mirror for the face. She has to get used to the idea of stabbing someone that looks exactly like herself. Trent tells her on the table of each duel, there are five weapons, Sarah. Your double has the same exact weapons. You have 10 seconds to choose one, and you really only get one shot at picking the right one to begin with. You don't know what your opponent will choose. If there is a gun on the table, both parties will most likely choose the gun. But there are not unlimited number of bullets. You're gonna run out. An axe, on the other hand, it's slower, but you don't need ammo to slice someone apart. A dagger, you have to be in close proximity to use. See, it's all about being careful, yet decisive to choose strategically. What happens if you drop your weapon and are too far from the table to grab another one? Good question. I like how you're thinking. How many weapons do you see here? Five? There are six. Because a highly trained body is a weapon. I want you to start working out on your own time so that when you're with me for an hour, we can work on hand-to-hand -hand combat and weapons training. And we see Sarah start working out. What does she do? Hip hop dance lessons. <laughs> because listen, she hates going to the gym. I don't blame her. So she's in these fucking Zumba classes. Yeah. Right, she has a year. Yeah. What? Yeah, she's got to get her cardio going in order to win. Trent even has Sarah sent to the morgue so that she can see someone with the same hair color, eye color, same age as Sarah. And she's dead on the table being opened up for an autopsy. She has to stand there and watch. And it's a lot. And the trainings are really good, okay? The trainings, wow, the training shots. So this is what happens in the movie. Hmm. You have Sarah on one side of the room, you have Trent on the other. And Sarah says, I grab the gun, I shoot, I miss. And Trent <laughs> says, I dodge the bullet. I grab the gun, I shoot, you duck, you get shot in the shoulder, but it just grazes you. You're only bleeding a little bit. Sarah says, oh, my shoulder is in pain. I grab the axe and I go run towards you. I try to shoot another bullet at you while you run towards... This is how they're doing it. They're talking? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, then I fumble and I kick you and I kick you in the Adam's apple. And then I will grab my axe and I will chat, but I miss. <laughs> I will swing around and I'm going to grab the axe from you and I'm going to try to slice your Achilles heel, but I will narrowly miss it, but I will draw blood. Wow. That was great. And at the end, he's like, I think you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think you're ready. Meanwhile, between the clone support, combat training, and lessons for hip-hop classes and rent, Sarah is tight on money. She goes to the gas station to put in about a dollar of gas and goes back to training with Kent. There's only one week to go now. Sarah is confident she's going to kill her double. She just fucking knows it. Okay? She knows it. She even goes to the mall to buy a whole new outfit to die in. She drops all her money. She also dropped her phone during the whole process. Uh, she didn't have case to cut. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, it shattered the whole screen. <gasps> Quite unfortunate if you ask me. That would be my last straw. Like I had a terminal illness. I cloned myself. My clone is taking over my life. She's BFFs with my mom, sleeping with my boyfriend, and now she doesn't want to die and I have to fight to the death because I'm no longer dying. And then my phone screen cracks. I'm done. Forget the duel. I'm taking myself out, okay? That would be my last straw. But Sarah, she gets a call. 
Her phone still works, and her lawyer tells her, because of a chance of thunderstorms on her predicted dual date, they're going to be moving it now for later that month. So this is, we gotta move fast. We gotta dip yep. and flip. Dip, flip. So ready? Yep. Dip. Coat it better. Coat it more. Stick it down. It's like a butthole. <laughs> Stick it down. It's okay. okay. When you flip it over, it will smooth it out. Like this? Yeah, turn it And then it just turn it around? Yeah. It's kind of a butthole, but I like it. Dip and flip. Dip and flip, okay? Wow, dip and flip. Oh, then you make the wrong side. <laughs> uh, no, okay, no wrong side again. Let me move this. This side. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow. Oh, I'm really excited to try. Me too. These look so good. And they're so warm. Wow. And then we put sprinkles on them. I just want to eat it right now. Okay, make it beautiful. Those sprinkles, they're huge. So what do we do? We just take some out, the yeah, big ones. Yeah. yeah, just take a couple out. And then you drop it on there. Mm. You decorate it. Let's decorate them beautifully. That's good, that's good, that's good. That's good. Hey, that's this good. is so then... pretty. Oh my god. I can't believe this is edible. Is wow. it edible? Watch it not be edible. I don't think you should eat it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not. Okay, can we just try a donut? You try, you, she took the most chocolate one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's chocolate inside. No, this mm. whole thing is chocolate. This thing you just dipped in is white chocolate. Mmm. Mm. Is it not too sweet, guys? <laughs> and then just like with chocolate all over it. <laughs> wow. The war warmness definitely mm -hmm. makes it best. Wow, what do you think, honey? Mmm. Yeah, the warmth. Wow. It's the warmth for me. Oh my god. Mm. It's not bad. Actually, pretty good. <laughs> oh, wow. I like it. Mm -hmm. mm. So, for that month, Sarah has to pay clone support for another month. And she's like, What? I just spent everything I had, though. And her lawyer's like, On what? On an outfit for the duel. <sighs> Sarah, this is bad. If you can't pay support, then the government will give you a disadvantage during your duel, like tying up one of your arms behind your back. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know. Okay, okay, I'll think of something. And her something was maybe to meet up with Peter, just the two of them. Peter apologizes for how things ended. He, he realized that he said some hurtful things, but he's still with Sarah 2.0. Although she doesn't really like to talk about the duel much, but I don't know. And Sarah does not ask him for clone support. Instead, she goes back to Trent for more training. And since she's short on cash, she offers to pay him in other ways. Yeah, no. you know what I'm talking about. At night, she would head over to the training facility. They would sneak in and in the dark, they'd blast music and she would give him hip hop dance lessons, specifically to the song, Get Low. <sighs> You know that one? Get low. No. Like early 2000s? Yeah, get low, get low, get low. To the they, window, to the wall. Are they actually dancing? You know yes. that song, you know that song. They're actually dancing. Yes, and he's getting very frustrated and she has to stop the music multiple times and it's like, it's okay Trent, so you want to do to the window, to the wall. <laughs> Till the sweat dropped down my balls. <laughs> Shut up. Is that the lyric? Yeah. Did the sweat drip down Like while they're doing it? No, they're, they're literally just hip-hop dancing. Oh, they're dancing. just dancing. Oh. That's what he wanted. Okay. Instead oh. of cash. Oh, really? Hip-hop dancing. Is this movie a joke? <laughs> it seems like a joke, though. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> like, I was, I was kind of confused until the, then I got the axe. Then I was like, okay, this is a joke. <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> what then I got the axe? Then I got the axe and I swing it at you. I dodge the axe. <laughs> I grab the knife and I try to tag you. Yeah. You should be the, you should have been the actress. <laughs> you do a better job. But it was a it was a troll movie, okay? Mm -hmm. So anyway, during one of these sessions of getting low and sweat dripping down their balls, Sarah looks out the window to see her double staring at her. What? So she shoots through the window trying to kill her and then runs out chasing the double. And somehow the two of them find themselves stuck together inside one of those playhouses at a local park. Mm. And at first the double did not want Sarah to come in because she was scared that Sarah was going to kill her but she encouraged her to open the door. 
The devil is no longer as happy a hee as she used to be. She realized that she doesn't really love this life. She hates that she and Peter argue over the smallest things. Sarah's mom calls her nonstop, acts like she owes her her life or something. And don't even get Sarah 2.0 started on all those moderately funny social media posts that her mom is always sending her. Ugh. And once it responds to, they're not even funny. It's not even funny. Sorry, Sarah. Well, that's your life now. Well, it was my life until you took it. But it's not what I thought it would be. And the two of them sit in silence before Sarah tells her, It's the life you chose. You took everything in my life and made it yours. And I'm still going to kill you in the duel. But it'll be quicker and less painful than I originally planned. Wait, stop. Please, I, I want to take you somewhere. Sarah's confused, but she's intrigued. So she follows her double to a dual survivor support group in a basketball court at a local school. It's like an AA meeting and everyone survived or they killed their original or their double. And they feel like they have survivor's guilt. They've got trauma. They don't even know why they fought so hard because it's not even like they want to live this life. Sarah looks at her double. You're so stupid. You're dumb. You think, you think your dumb little mental tricks are going to work on me? I've been training for a year. I'm going to kill you no matter what. And her double's like, listen, it's not like that. I'm gonna try my best to kill you too. I'm gonna try my absolute best. I've been training, okay? It, this isn't to try to sway you. I just wanna show you what, what life is like for people like us and what happens after. So the guy that runs the support group asks everybody to sit down and write a letter. And the whole group moves on to the next activity. They're writing their little letters and um, they're all reading it to each other out loud. Now, we don't know what the two Sarahs wrote to each other, but I'm guessing that OG Sarah, the original, was feeling moved. She comes out and she tells her double, what you said in there, I'm still at a loss. I mean, the way that you just eloquently accepted all the blame and the way that you argued that the real evil person isn't one of us, but the system that allowed all of this, the system that has us fight to the death as some sort of spectator sport. Yeah, well, I'm sure you wrote something similar in yours. Maybe you'll read it for me someday. You know, Double, we actually have a lot in common. You know, why can't we live together? Be together? I mean, I'm not saying like we should fuck like that one guy did with his Double, obviously, in that AA meeting, but why can't we both live? Do you mean that? So Sarah goes home to think about what to do next. She had been training for over a year to kill her Double. Is she being played right now? Who the hell knows? But that night, she knew that she had a choice to make. So she packed a bag, jumped in her car, picked up Sarah 2.0, and they're running off to the sunset together. Is what? that what's going on now? So they drive for hours having awkward conversation about like nonsense about how Sarah 2.0 never learned to drive. She's like, but it looks so easy and so simple. They both bought comfortable clothes, backpacks, no weapons, and they wanted to check each other's bags deeper into the woods. But not right now, not on the side of the road. So their whole thing was to go into the woods and just get away, get to Canada. Sarah's double gives Sarah water to drink. I don't think I have to remind you the importance of staying hydrated. Let's drink. Cheers. And they take big gulps of the water and head deep into the woods. You already know what's going on here, don't you? I mean, come on, Sarah. How could you be so naive? Why would you drink her water? And later in the woods, as they're hiking, Sarah is talking. And she's saying, I wonder what's going to happen when neither of us show up to the duel. I bet it'll be strange. I always wondered why one of us can't just get plastic surgery and call it a day. But the lawyer, you know, said that after a duel is scheduled, any and all attempts to contact a plastic surgeon of any kind is flagged. I guess the risk is huge, huh, to get a black market surgeon, do like a black market face transplant. And then Sarah stops talking. The double looks back. They both make eye contact and they both know what's going on. Sarah has blood coming out of her mouth. <gasps> and the double looks at her with eyes filled with shame. And then we have everyone waiting at the duel, silently in the stands of the football field. And in comes Sarah, or maybe it's not Sarah, someone who is wearing Sarah's original clothes and walks to the duel. I'm sorry I'm so late. I was having car troubles, but I'm ready now. I can start. We can't start. Your double isn't here yet. What? I mean, I guess that sounds like her. She wasn't even training for this. <laughs> that makes sense that she would try to run. 
The announcer walks off looking annoyed and Sarah waves at her mom and Peter who look very happy to see her. So of course, since the double isn't there, Sarah gets escorted to the police station and she's questioned. The police search the original Sarah's house and the woods, they bring in canine dogs, everything. Later in court, Sarah is brought to trial. The judge brings Peter and her mom as witnesses and they both testify that they believe that she is the original Sarah. Which, what if that was the plan the whole time? That her mom and her boyfriend would lie after Sarah 2.0 killed the original and lie and say that the double is the original. Because think about it, everybody knew that the clone wasn't training. Mm. And everybody knew that the original Sarah wanted to show up to the duel so that she could kill her clone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Sarah 2.0 kills the original Sarah and pretends to be the original Sarah that shows up to the duel and mm-hmm. says the double is missing, she didn't wow. show. Mm-hmm. It's smart, but you're telling me in this movie that you can clone people, but you can't even verify their existence? Well, I guess yeah. the DNA is the same. But still, there's gotta be a way. Check yeah. the eye color. Bro, eye, yeah, co- eye she color. Wears colored contacts. Remove the color. I know. It's so So, dumb. Later, Peter asks her what they should get for dinner. And Peter says, how about Mexican food? Mm -hmm. And Sarah says, I don't like Mexican food. Besides, I can pick up something else after work. And she gets into the car that's all banged up. And she's screeching out of the driveway. Remember, Sarah 2.0 never learned how to drive. And on her drive to work, she listens to her mom's voicemail on her cracked screen. And her mom is telling her that she booked another appointment with the optometrist because the colored ones aren't always in stock. So it's best to have them ready. Remember? The double has blue eyes. Uh And as she's driving to work, she starts crying in a way that we've never seen before. She's running red lights. She's crying. And at one point, she just stops in the middle of the road to sob. It's clear that it's the clone, right? Yeah. Maybe not. It seems like the original might have won. She knew that her mom and her boyfriend were helping the double. So she won and presumed the identity as the clone pretending to be her, but it was her. How'd you know? Because she's crying because she knows that Peter and even her mom wanted her dead. She's pretending to not to know how to drive and pretending to be a completely different person. Okay, so you're like, how the hell did original Sarah get out of the woods? Well, an ad for Trent Service said, win the duel without violence and use emotional manipulation. Mm. It was part of his self, which means maybe Sarah knew that it wasn't just about fighting it out at the duel. You know, she kept saying she wants to fight, right? And she learned that the the clone wasn't training. Why wouldn't she be training? Because Mm -hmm. she's trying to kill Sarah outside of the duel. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone knows this. The mom, the boyfriend, Sarah, they all know. So how could the clone Sarah win and survive? Making sure the duel never happens. But you can't get caught because it's illegal to kill your clone or your original. So clone Sarah, the mom, and Peter are all working together to kill original Sarah. And they want the clone to pretend to be like her. But after killing her, why can't she just pretend to be herself? Why can't Sarah clone pretend to be like, oh, I'm the clone. I don't know where Sarah original is. Like I said, everybody knew that clone Sarah was not preparing for this and original Sarah wanted to fight. Mm -hmm. It would raise eyebrows and raise too much suspicion. So Mm -hmm. it just made sense that after clone killed Sarah, she would pretend to be her. But original Sarah knew the plan. So what we see is original Sarah pretending to be the clone who is pretending to be the original Sarah. (laughs) Like, why would the clone keep the cracked phone? Remember, she dropped it Uh when she went shopping. And when pulling out of the driveway, clone Sarah acts like she can't drive. But slowly, she starts driving better on the road. Mm. And why is she crying so hard? If it was the clone Sarah, she would be happy. She would be happy that the mom is telling her, hey, don't forget the contacts, right? Mm -hmm. But it's original Sarah. She doesn't need the contacts. And she's crying because her mom wanted her to die. That's so sad. Or could it also be the actual clone? It's sad that this is her life. Yeah. Yeah. But why would she but cry? But she doesn't always have to live that life. Like if it's the clone, there's no obligation to stay with that family. Mm. There's no obligation to stay with Peter or that mom. But I think that it's original Sarah because original Sarah couldn't leave, unlike the clone. Because original Sarah has been desperate for their love since the get-go. Mm. Even when But you she, say she's crying the way that you've never seen before. Yeah, like true, like real pain. Like... Mm. I mean, my question is, how can she still stay, want to stay with them after that betrayal? Yeah. Yeah. How did she kill, I I know it's emotional manipulation, Mm -hmm. but how did uh, 
the original killed the 2.0 in the wood. Oh yeah, so that is left unanswered. People think it's maybe the she. Water? No, so people think that original Sarah knew that she was going to be poisoned, so she brought an antidote, and then she probably brought a weapon to kill. Yeah, she probably can kill her pretty easily with all the training mm -hmm. that she's had. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. a pretty good plot twist, though. Mm-hmm. Huh. Listen, the ending makes me think a lot. I saw some people said that this is a good representation of things are not always what it seems. How everybody likes everybody's lives on social media, but once you actually try to live it, it's not that great. Mm. In fact, maybe you hate it. But it's fascinating. I really wish that they had explored it better. Yeah. I find that a lot of these movies... Like, they have a really good yeah. like, concept. Yeah. Yes. Like, this could... But it, you can literally build a whole world around this. Mm -hmm. Make it so much more layered, so much more, like, detailed and complex. Wow, I Get really... Get into how it started. I really like the ending. I really do. The open ending, right? The... yeah. Is it the clone? Is it the original? I mean, it's definitely the original. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think so too. I think the clone is too easy. Yeah. Maybe it's the clone trying to be the original that pretend to be the clone that's trying to be the oh, original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My head. <laughs> My head. Yeah. Oh. I really wish that they had explored it a lot better. Honestly, that's my biggest complaint. It's kind of like the time movie. Yes, in time. Like there could have been a whole setup to it. How the company of replicas started, mm. how the government started utilizing it. Are replicas used for something else mm. or replacements or whatever? Yeah. How and how did that even it became a thing that? Yeah. The replica has rights. Like, how did it start? Yes. According to the Constitution, yes. they say. Yeah, the 28th Amendment mm, in the Constitution. Yeah, I'm like, there's gotta be some kind of movement mm -hmm. for replica to get rights. And then they mentioned the whole prisoners have to duel yeah. to the death. Why? What's yes. that whole ecosystem like? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's like in time, like, there's so many parts that could have been explored and. This one just felt like nothing was really explored. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they're waiting on some sort of author. Mm, <laughs> like, like a, a YouTuber turned author. <clears throat> I think that's going to be it for today's video. Let me know what are your thoughts on this week's Bacon and Mystery episode. And I will see you guys on Monday for the next one. Bye.